Let me start off first by discussing how to use class fraction. So let's say uh, we write a program here that declares two fractions. And let's give them some names. <coughs> say fract and what did I call it the other one here? I and F. Okay. Step two would be to um, print them. So both are printed along with their decimal equivalent. And we have functions to do that for us, right? There's a little trick in the decimal function, by the way. What was the one catch in there about the decimal function? Anyone notice it? Yeah, you had to cast one of the one of the members, right? Either either a numerator or a denominator. So it makes a lot of sense to have the numerator and denominator um, declare its integers, right, as part of the private member data fraction. So that's a very good example where you have to go about um, changing or casting one of the operands to force decimal division. Otherwise, your answer may all, might not always be correct, right? So that was a trick there. Um, And step three, well, actually, this should be three. And this will be two. Sorry for that. So fract is initialized to three-fifths. And um, INF is red. From user input. I might do a little more though. But let's do this together. So I get so this is something like your driver, your the, the, the program that tests your fraction class. So let's say this is in some driver file, let's call it frac driver, or some some any client of really the fraction class, which reminds me that I need to include that using a precompiler directive um, right here. So fraction.h. And we'll probably need IO stream. <laughs> Using statement. And let's say this is our main function. Okay, so step one write a program that declares two fractions, uh, say fract and INF. Okay, so how do I declare a fraction? Any guesses? Any volunteers? How can I declare a, a, a variable of type fraction called fract? Yes? Mm -hmm. Sure. And similarly for INF, right? Um, But here in step two, we want to say that frac is initialized at three-fifths. So how do I do that? How do I initialize frac to three-fifths? What kind of member function can I call there? Yes? So just after frac, just what, what is the 
call the constructor, that takes two integers. And I think that what I'm going to do on this side is sort of write like an analogous program with integers. So, for example, if you had an integer a, and maybe we assign that to be, I don't know, 5, right? And then here's an integer b, which we leave unassigned. So this is sort of like the analogy between fractions and integers. So the, really the goal here is really to make our fractions sort of feel, look like other types, other numerical types. Yes? Uh, what's that word after fraction, I, M? F? Oh. Yeah, just, this is name. Yeah. I don't know why it's called that. So you can give these things any name. There should be a reason for that. I don't know. Hmm? Yeah, in fact, what, we're, what are we going to do? So, so fract is initialized to three-fifths, and INF is read from user input. So how do we read INF uh, from user input using one of our member functions? Uh, yeah, good. INF.read, and that will read it from standard input. Um, now, I know I talked a little bit about this earlier last week, how you may have a loop in this, in this function, uh, and that would be okay. And I thought about that a little bit, a little more hard, uh, a little harder. And it turns out, um, since we're going to be changing stuff around, that might not be optimal, and you'll see why. So if you have a loop in this function that keeps on going until a correct uh, fraction is, is entered, um, you might need to change that and use the assert function later on, and you'll see why. And how would we do this on the analogy? side here. How do I get B from the user input? Yes? How do I get B from user input? So yeah, so here I assign A to B initially 5, and then here I want to grab the value of B from user input. Uh, B is an integer. We use like C in, right? Good. All right, so one side I'm reading a fraction from input, and the other side I'm reading an integer from input. Notice the difference. Um, what we're going to do today, really, is try to make the fraction look a lot like the integer. It's called operator overloading. We'll get into that a little later. So just notice the difference for now. Great. All right, so it takes care of that step. And lastly, number three, which I wrote backwards here, uh, both are printed along with their decimal equivalents. Let's just do one. Let's do fract. Fraction. How do I print fract? Which which member function? Print, right? So I'd say fract.print. Another CF statement is, and by the way, this demonstrates a good point here, that you probably don't want to have um, endl in your print function. 
right? Because the way I want this to turn out is to be on one line. So I want the fraction, namely 3 fifths, is something else, right? So if you have um, an endl in your print function definition, um, that's going to look a little funny. So what you want to do is actually give the user, or the client program rather, the ability to, to end the line or not. Anyone have an endl in their print definition? It's okay. It's no, I'm not going to think of any points or anything like that. So this is just a good demonstration why you want to give more flexibility. In fact, if you really want to get um, pedantic, you can have one print that does an end line, another one that doesn't. In fact, you can make another print function called println, like print line or something like that. So you can print the fraction all by itself on the whole line, if you wanted to. All right, so see how insert is. And how do I get the decimal equivalent of fract? What member function do I call? Decimal, right? So fract.decimal. All right, analogously, let's do that for the integer as well. Let's do it for a. See how insert the integer. A. Um, is. How do we get the decimal equivalent of A? Has something to do with what we did previously? Or we talked about previously? Just a second ago, it starts at S. You said it. Yeah, cast it, right? To a double, right? Are you just writing like the sum on the right is yeah, something on the right is the analogous situation with integers, right? Um, A is that. the same thing, the fraction. Oh, A. Oh, I forgot. One string here. I've got the is. <laughs> there we go. All right, so notice the difference here. And yeah, of course, you have to return zero. So the difference here is that, well, on the fraction side, I sort of needed to end my, my C out statement here, right? So when I say the fraction 3 fifths, right? So I end the C out statement here. I print the fact fraction on a different line, and then I continue another C out statement here is you know the fractional um, decimal equivalent of that fraction. Everyone okay with that? So this would print the fraction three fifths is what? Yeah, 0.6. Right. Okay, this one will print the integer or in a, which happens to be five, right? So the integer five is five dot zero. So notice here that I didn't need to, to have a separate C out statement. So in fact, I only have one C out statement, and I use the operator chaining right to achieve um, the entire state, the entire display. So here I needed one, two, three statements, whereas here I needed just one. Uh, also notice that there's a static cast, right? Um, which is a nice standard way of converting a expression 
um, to some other type. And we're not going to do that for fraction. In fact, I don't even know if that's even possible to, to overload the static cast operator. It may be possible. That may be actually a good extra credit. Uh, but we will do something with this, though. So we will make our fractions uh, look like this when we want to print them. This would be nice, right? Instead of using the print, the print function like this, right? So instead of three reverse statements, we only have one. But let's make this extra credit. Do you guys see what, what I'm talking about here? So could you do something like this? So static cast double. So what I want is this thing. So C out static cast T double, the expression fract. Um, I want that to print. Yeah, it's the same frac here. Yeah. Yeah, so actually I'm not going to return to return it right here. So I'm continuing on. Uh, this is continued. From frac. <laughs> so I don't think that works right now. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. But the goal is really to have a, a fraction sort of work like integers and doubles and other types of numerical types, right? The built-in types. So um, does everyone understand what that expression is saying? So it's really the equivalent of this that we have right now. So this would do exactly what I want here. But since we have this goal in mind that we want to have fractions sort of like look and feel like other numeric types, um, well, with the other numeric types, we have static cast, right? So my question to you guys is, can we do something with static cast so that can work correctly? I don't know the answer. In fact, I never considered it up to now. So extra credit for Tuesday. And I'll apply this extra credit to the quizzes. Is that good? So the homework, I can't put any more extra credit there. That's fine. All right, extra credit on quiz. The quizzes section. Can you overload? And we'll see what that means in, in a little, in a little, in a few minutes here. So can you overload the static cast? Operator, and a static cast really is like a function. And actually, operators are kind of like functions too, and we'll see that later. Um, the only difference with static cast is what? You think of static cast as a function. So it has a return type. What does it return? Whatever you. Yeah, whatever you put in here, right? So this is sort of like a type parameter. In fact, it is a type parameter. So this is a like a traditional parameter like we have and we've seen in other functions before, right? In fact, it's any arbitrary expression 
right? And then in this parameter, which is denoted by the less than and greater than sign, as opposed to the parenthesis, we have a type name, which really corresponds to the return type of the call. So it's the type you want to change this expression to, temporarily just for that particular expression. Um, so the question for X credit is, can you overload the static cast operator for fractions? In other classes that you can create. So that'll be X credit for two seconds. Any guesses? Yes? I have a question about overloading. Because I was looking over it. Basically, they, they use the example of um, you have two functions, you could have two functions that have the same name mm -hmm. and just with a different number of arguments, and that, that's, that's considered overloading. Right. Uh, that's called function overloading. I talked a little bit that, about that earlier. Uh, function overloading is a little different than operator overloading. Yeah, they kept comparing it to operator overloading, and I didn't quite okay. understand. We'll, we'll go over operator overloading, and if you're still confused, uh, yeah. let me know. Yeah, it's a little different, but similar. You'll see. Any guesses on, on, on the extra credit question? Should we just leave it as extra credit? Yeah, OK. All right, um, I also want to go over the add. So let's continue this. So I didn't end that program there. So can we add frac and INF together? So we should, right? That was one of the homework problems. So the way I designed my add function, um, and the reason I did this, and I'm sure some of you have done it as well, is because it's going to look a lot like adding integers. So when you add two integers, so here we go with the you know left side is as our fraction program, the other side is our integer program. So so again, it's continued. Driver. All right, so we have these two integers, A and B, and let's say we want C to be their sum. So we declare a variable C, and we can say that sum is assigned A plus B. So now C equals the sum of A and B. So the way I went about in my solution for adding fractions was as follows. Basically have a similar flavor. So I said here, well, here is another fraction. I'll call this one sum. And I want sum to be assigned, well, the sum of, a, of, of INF and frac. So I want it to look something like this. Frac INF. So that would be a nice analogy, wouldn't it? Right, to use the plus operator with fractions, like you do integers and doubles and all sorts of other like numeric types. So right now, that's not possible, because we don't have a method to do that. Uh, we will at the end of this class. But what we do have is functions. So what we could have done is as follows. We can make an add function as a member function of class fraction. So member functions um, outside the class definition are prefixed with the selection operator, and that's prefixed by an object name. So I select 
the member function add from fract, from the fract object, and I give it the fraction to add. So fract, in this case, will be i and f. And, I want to restore, and finally, I want to um, store the results of that operation, or this, this function call, rather, into sum. So it almost looks like that, except that we're not using the plus operator. We're using a, a function named at. And there's other ways you could have went about this. You could have made a non-member function that takes two fractions and returns a fraction. Um, you could have made mm, a non-member function that just takes three fractions and has the last one as reference. Could have done that. Anyone else have any other, other ways they went about this? Or did everyone do it this way? Anyone not know or remember? <laughs> it was a while ago. Um, so did anyone do it this way? With add being a member function taking uh, a single a single fraction as, a, as, a, as an explicit parameter and returning a fraction? No? Anyone want to volunteer how they did it? Okay. Okay. I know it was a while ago. So I'll go over this one. And the reason I did it this way, and there are multiple solutions to this, although I did say that all of them should be member functions, um, although you can't have a member function, still do this sort of thing, a different kind of member function. But yeah, so I wanted to make something like this. So the goal of today's class is to overload these operators and have operators apply to our own classes in much way that you know other numeric types and other types in C++ can. Okay, so let's look at the declaration of, of this add member function. So just actually judging by the call there, we can actually come up with the design of the function. So let's actually just go right to the fraction.cc file. <laughs> All right, so this is our main implementation file for the fraction class. And what would the, um, the member function header uh, look like for this guy? So what would that relation be for, this, for such a function? So well, one thing is for sure, we know it's named add, right? So we put that in that. How many parameters does it have? I'll pull you around right there. So just from the call, how many parameters does the add function have? One. One. Yeah. What type is it? Fraction. Yep. Fraction. And I'm going to name this parameter RHS for right-hand side um, because it's sort of like on the right-hand side of the operator. Well, in this case, it's just a function. Right, it's a member function. But if you look at this case, right, B here is the right-hand side, and A is the left-hand side. Question? No? So I'll call it RHS. And even though I have one explicit parameter here, um, well, I, sh I should ask the following question first. Is this a member function or a non-member function? You can tell by the call, by the way. Yes? Right. So we scope the class name, right, to the function name. 
Okay, so even though there's one explicit parameter, how many parameters do I actually have? Two, right? You have the explicit and the implicit. In this case, the explicit parameter is INF, and the implicit parameter is FRAP in this particular call, right? Okay, good. So we have the parameters. Um, any return type? Does it return a value? Yes, it does. What is a return? Fraction. Yeah, it returns a fraction. So it looks a little strange. Fraction, fraction, add, fraction, RHS. A lot of fractions in there, huh? So really, you have three fractions you're dealing with. You have the explicit parameter, the right-hand side of the, uh, of the function call. You have the implicit parameter, which is the left-hand side of the selection operator. And lastly, you have the fraction, which you'll be returning as a value. Um, you could have done this another way. You could, have set, you could have made this a void return type, right? And basically, this member function would just mutate um, the values of this fraction. Right, which is the, the left-hand side, the implicit parameter. Anyone do it that way? I've seen that done. Like, Yeah, perfectly fine. That's a perfectly uh, fine way to go about it. However, if you're looking at the analogous situation we have here with integers, suppose I said A was, right, so A is 5 here, right? So we're performing this operation. C is assigned A plus B. And the, next, the very next thing I do is print out A. What would you expect that value to be? Five, right? We didn't even change it. So the only thing that's getting changed here is, is C, right? We're assigning the value of C, which is initially garbage, to be the sum of A plus B. So this should print five. In other words, the expression C is assigned A plus B has no side effects. It doesn't change the values of the parameters. Well, if you think of those parameters, it doesn't change the values of the operators, as you're saying, because this is an operation. So. However, if fract at this point is three, three fifths, right? Because that's what we assigned it over here. We initialized the three fifths. If I said fract.print right here, what would you expect the value to be? Same, right? Three fifths. So it's really a design decision. Um, so if you make your add member function non mutating, what that means is that it doesn't change the values of the private member data of the parameters. Now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not counting the return value. So if it's an accessor method, so it just retrieves the values of the variables or retrieves the state of the fraction objects, both the implicit and explicit parameters, then you expect this to be the same. Right? So it's really a design decision. Um, there's one way is not wrong and the other way is not right. So it, it depends on, on your creativity, right, how you design these things. There's a lot of creativity going on here. And the reason I did it this way is because to be analogous with this. Yes? So wait, after you uh, take the three-fifths you put in the fract, 
Yep. Yeah. Right then you add INF to it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so actually sum.print would be what you're looking for. Right. And INF is from user input, so we don't actually know what it is. So sum.print is a very good question. Thanks. This would print, I mean, it really prints the sum of three fifths and whatever I know. Good question. Is everyone understanding that? Is it okay for everyone? So like I said, you know, I haven't graded them yet, or all of them yet, rather. Um, but it's a design decision. So, and if you did it this way, the next homework, which is due on Tuesday, is going to be very easy. If you did it, unfortunately, even though you're not wrong, right, it may still add fractions properly. Um, you know, functionally speaking or behaviorally speaking, uh, you're going to have a little tough time. So you have to re do some rearranging with your source code. Uh, more formally, we call it refactoring. But we'll go over the homework in, in a few minutes. All right, are there any questions about the, the fraction homework from last week? I guess it's was it Tuesday, right, it was due? Yeah, so it was this week. No? Please, I need to rest my voice. <laughs> Someone has a question. Yes? So, read is a member function, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have to define that Yeah, the definition of read actually just would have an occurrence of CN. Yeah. So really, CN will be, I mean, CN will only be in the, in the read function. Seattle will only be where in the you, read function. Where do you actually define all these number functions? Uh, you define them in, oh, I guess we didn't go about defining this one. You would define them in the fraction.cc file. So the definition file. Um, yeah, I forgot to talk, totally want, I forgot to do the definition then. Can we do that? Would that help? Yeah? Question? When you're doing that, can you, how do you call frac? Oh, right. Um, so you mean frac as being the implicit parameter? I think we, we discussed that on Thursday. Uh, but actually, you just refer to it implicitly. You can, you can also explicitly refer to it. And I would go over the notes from Thursday. At the, I guess it was like the very end of class we started talking about that. Um, you also can listen to the podcast, I'm sure. It's on there. So, yeah, let's do this one. I totally forgot about that. Thank you. What did I do with my solutions here? Okay. Okay, so let's start, let's draw a diagram here. Hmm. What's the specification for that? Uh, homework fraction. Okay, so the equation to add two fractions is going to be as follows. <coughs> so this is not C++. This will be, you know, this will just be in comments. Think of it that way. A over B equals, ooh, A over B plus C over D 
equals, let's see. So the denominator is going to be bd. So b times d. And the numerator is going to be ad plus uh, cb. So here is here's your equation to add two fractions. So the, really the, the complexity here is matching up these letters with how you refer to them in the function definition. So at this point, when this function starts, we have two, at the very start of the execution of this function, we have two fractions in memory. So this is memory. One fraction uh, is called RHS. It has two components, right, or two member data. It has a numerator. It has a denominator. All right, but as you see, I've drawn two different fractions here. And this is the, this is the implicit parameter. So RHS is from here. I'll call this one this. So this will be this fraction. So the fraction that this member function add was called upon, was selected from. In this calling context, it's fraction. And also RHS is I know. So the actual parameters or arguments are matched up in that uh, INF is matched to RHS and fract is matched to the implicit parameter. So I'll have the word this refer to that. Okay, and likewise, this implicit parameter has a human den as well. So this is what memory looks like at this point. So basically, if you look at this equation, this fraction is RHS, and this fraction is the this fraction, right? The one that was selected. Looking? All right, so for the denominator, so I'll make a, a local variable called den. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> Don't want to do that. Let's call it d. So we'll do the easy one first. b times d. So basically I'll draw this. So this will be a right from here. This will be b from here. This will be c from here. This will be d for this equation. All right, how do I refer to B? Look familiar? Yeah. We went over this in office hours. You could. Oh, yeah, sure. Sorry. So you can ask me a question, too. <laughs> so how do we refer to B? To B? Yeah. So B is this part of memory here. Yeah. The, uh... Yep, exactly. So the way you refer to member data of the implicit parameter is implicitly. You don't talk about what object you're selecting it from. It's implicit. You can if you want. I think I went over that a little bit um, last time, but I think we'll, we'll hold off on that for a second. Great. And how do I talk about D? Which refers to the denominator of the explicit fraction. Well, what's the name of the explicit parameter? RHS, right? 
fraction. So it has something to do with that fraction. This one, right? In that ring. How can I select the denominator of RHS? Well, I don't want to change the value. Our RHS already has a value in it. Yes? Yeah, select uh, DEN. In fact, um, RHS in this calling context here has the value, oh, well, it's whatever we read from INF. So actually, read was already called an INF. And then this one would be three-fifths in, in that particular context, but there may be multiple contexts. So you need to program this for every you know, calling context that can happen. Right, so you can use the selection operator not only to select uh, member functions from objects, but you also can use them to select member data. Uh, but then is private. How can I do this? Why is this not an error? Any guesses? For example, can I do this? Can I print the number like that? Is a member function? Uh, yes, right. Main is not a member function. Why is that important, though? Well, I was saying that's why that one can be. Oh, this one is a member function. Yes. So I said it can read it because it's a member function. Right, but why? <laughs> what, what is the access protection for debt? Public or private? Private. Yeah, private, right. Yeah, you're right, you're right on. So yeah, DEN is a private member function of class fraction, which means only member functions can access DEN. Main is not a member function. In fact, you can see from its declaration, or actually from its definition header file, uh, line here, there's no class name here. Right? Not a member function. In fact, it's not, not only is it not a member function of class fraction, it's not a member function at all. So it can't do this. That's a compilation error. Because dead is private. So since add is a member function, it can totally access private memory. No problems. And there's a lot of reasons you want to do that. Because, for example, you don't want clients to fiddle with denominator or then um, directly because they can set it to zero. So we want to have that control over dead. Good. So it's so BD really translates to den times RHS dot den. And you need the RHS here because you need to explicitly say that I want this one and not this one. And here you want to explicitly say, well, implicitly say you want this one and not this one. So that's how you refer to the two different components. Yes? I guess. So what would you change there? You change this one. Right? In that case, you have this sort of same problem here. Right? So when you add INF to fract, and then you go and print fract, which was an operand, to the, op to the, the well, really it was the implicit parameter, its value will change. It won't be three-fifths. So fract and some. Yeah, yeah, it'd be the same. Yeah, um, that's a perfectly fine way to go about it. You know, you would have to inform the user 
or the client program, rather, that's the way it works. And really, you would have, probably have a void member, from, uh, you would have a void return type there for that sort of thing, instead of like duplicating it. Um, but if you did it this way and just made a, a local variable, like for example, called D here, and returned another fraction, it's going to be a lot easier to do the homework it's going to be very analogous to the situation with other numerical types. Good questions today. Okay, so let's do the numerator. So how do we say AD? A times D. So we know to say D, right? It's just this here. Dot den. Okay, A is going to be what? Noom, yeah. Good. Plus uh, C, C, B, these two. So what's C? Oh, did I get this right? Yeah. So C is this component. How do I talk about that component? RHS.noom. Yep, times B, which is just that. Great. So now I have the numerator and denominator for the new fraction, for, this, for the sum, for the total. And the very last thing I need to do is return a, a fraction that has this numerator and this denominator per the contract of this function duck relation, right? So it says it returns its fraction, so I need to have a return keyword, which returns a fraction with this numerator and this denominator. How can I do that? Any volunteers? I know I wrote that a little low. You see it? Yeah. Okay. So what do I return here? So I need to make a new fraction. What kind of member function can you call it to make a fraction? Starts with a C. Constructor, right? Any particular constructor you like to call? How about the one taking two parameters, right? Like this one. Like initialize it to a specific numerator and denominator. So it'll be fraction and comedy. It's not the only way to do this, uh, but it's one way. Another thing you could have done is just call the default constructor. And assign, instead of having these local variables, you could have just assigned um, num and den directly. However, the only, yeah, I guess that would be okay. Right. Oh, right, the only thing if it, there, if you did the extra credit, if you did the reduce function, you have to call reduce here. So if you did it that way, you would have to have a call to reduce. Uh, the way I did, I have I have a call to reduce in the constructor. So yes. Oh, yes. Uh, so is fraction? Isn't that the class? Mm hmm. So you're returning a class. Mm, an object to that class. So we're returning. That's the class's name. Right here. Or here. So you have a. What's the difference between the fraction on the left and the fraction on the right, like in that top thing? Here and here. 
how uh, the, you know, a frac the word fraction and a fraction to the right of the D. Above the A. Oh, right here? Yeah. So fraction is return type. Anyway, it's, it's, it's confusing to look at. So we have different kinds of return types like bool, right, int, void. No so return that's type. One of them? Yeah, oh, right. Okay. So you say you return a, you return an object of type fraction. So that's already set up for you. It'll, it'll return it as a n over d. Um, well, you don't want to think of it as n over d, but just a fraction object which happens to have a new random denominator. So as long as the return expression here is of type evaluates to type fraction, you're fine. So it doesn't really take care of it for you. You need to do it yourself, right? You need to call the constructor, right, which constructs a fraction object giving a specific enumerator denominator, and then you return that value from the construction of the fraction to the caller. And in this calling context that value gets stored in sum. Sum is a type fraction. And this fraction here, this is the class scope. So this says that add is a member function of type of, of class fraction. Fraction here is the return type. Fraction here is a parameter type. So it has an implicit parameter of type fraction has an explicit parameter of type fraction returns a type fraction. And there's something actually called recursive classes or recurs recursive data types that have as member functions objects of their own type, um, which is also very confusing. So this is, a little, this is definitely confusing in that sense that you have a member function of a class that as parameters, types, and return types are members are, are basically the same type, right? And there's also there's more confusing things where you have like member data of that type too. We'll get into that when we get into pointers and like linked lists and stuff. That'll be fun. But yeah, you may need to stare at this for a few minutes if you're if you're confused. Yes. Um, yeah, you said something about having reduce as a parameter of a constructor. Um. Oh, reduce. So in, in my solution, I recalled reduce within the constructor. So. Um, yeah, because like the way I did reduce, mm -hmm. you just called it right there. It yeah, you can call it there too. I mean, it would be then um, reducing fract, not in the Oh, yeah. Duh. Thanks. Sorry about that. Yeah, you don't want to do that. You want to, you want to reduce this one. <laughs> um, yeah, so I called reduce in my, in my constructor. So my constructor looks a little. Yeah, I just had it in it. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, I have to erase, erase this. But yeah, if you look at my constructor, um, actually, I guess yeah, right. I think I put this on the board on Thursday, last Thursday. Oh, let's see. So, so if you look at the constructor, I did one of the constructors. I can't remember which one it was. And by the way, this n and d is different from this n and d, right? This this n and d is uh, part of the, the formal parameter names for this particular function, and this is still in, fr in fraction.cc. So this one I said that num is assigned then, 
Uh, U is assigned n. U is assigned n, and then is assigned d. All right. So this comes from here. This comes from here. This gets assigned there. This gets assigned there. If you look at memory. Memory, you basically have this to start, right? This is the this, the this fraction, right? So you can think, sort of think of like these member functions sort of executing inside the object. So this is the implicit parameter, and initially this is garbage. And when I say num is assigned, num is assigned n, I take the argument value, right, from n, assign that to num. So that gets assigned whatever was in here. And likewise, I assign the argument value d to the member d to den, and that gets assigned. And then finally, I call it reduce. So this is a call to this constructor, right? Up here, assign numerator, assign denominator to be the argument values, and then reduce. And notice that reduce is a member function, right? So maybe reduce the member declaration for, um, rather, the definition for reduce is, is down here. So this would be void fraction reduce. No parameters. Why does it have no parameters? Because reduce is a, starts with M, member function, right? It has access to private member data. Namely, human den. Okay. Right. So reduce is a member function of type uh, of class fraction, rather. And here I'm saying reduce this fraction. So the one I just constructed up here. Reduce. Um, I, mean, I mean, if you want to yeah. reduce it, then use it. Yeah, you could. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah, way. so the way I designed this, that reduces a mutator. Okay. So it changes the value of, of the Neumann den. Um, yeah, you can definitely have a reduce that returns, that doesn't change the value of the implicit parameter and just um, returns a fraction. You can, have, you can design it that way, too. Because like if it's void type mm -hmm. and you reduce it, I mean, once it's, you can't use it again um, well, reduce, so, like, if you reduce it and then wanted to add it to something else, I don't see how that works. If you reduce it and you want to add something else? Yeah, like, like, like if I reduce it before I add two fractions, so, so I ask for two fractions that reduce them and then add them. Here is you're adding. You know, this is an example, but so here you reduce the implicit fraction, and then you add to the implicit uh, fraction the explicit fraction. Whatever it is, right? What happened? So that's how you can do that. So you can think of like reduce taking the implicit parameter as a ref, uh, by reference. So I should mention that, that implicit parameters are always by reference. But that's one way you can do that.
But yeah, talk to me after class, though. We'll, we can talk about this further. All right. Any, any questions on this? You guys look confused. Yes? So your constructor of the fraction up top, mm -hmm. um, that looks identical to a member function declaration. Yeah, constructors are member functions. And so all it does is just say, just what makes new variables? Yeah. It makes, well, it makes new objects. It constructs objects of type fraction. The only difference is that with the constructor is that there's no return type. So that's, so you know if a particular function is a member function, excuse me, it's a constructor. If it's a member function, it has the same name as, as a class and has no return type. So those are conditions for constructors. And the constructor is a special type of member function that just builds the fraction. So here I'm saying build a fraction given this numerator and this denominator. Just like I'm saying, I just erased it, but um, here I'm saying, you know, build a fraction with with no initial value is the fall fraction. So actually this should be like 0 over 1. And constructors are always called when you declare a variable of type fraction. So this is a call to the default constructor. So the default constructor is the one that takes no parameters. So every time you declare right, a variable type fraction, boom, constructor gets automatically called. And you probably want to refer to Thursday's lecture on constructors. Yes? Uh, so when you make your new and denominator, um, how does it get set to the form like n divided by d? Does it just read it like that or no? Um, like when you output it, right. you have to deal with then you deal with it then in your print uh, member function? Yeah. Yeah, so the print member function would say something like C out, insert new, um, insert slash, insert debt. Okay. Yeah, it may take a good 10 minutes looking at staring at this for a while to make sure it's you know, straight in your mind. Um, it is, yeah, it's really confusing at first. And that's really why, you know, you really need to know functions, I think, before you get to object-oriented programming, because it really just builds off that. And I know, like, you know, this class is prerequisites, that you should have learned functions in those classes. Um, but I really want to make sure you guys know functions before I start getting into this stuff. So that's why I spent so much time with it. Right, these are all great questions, by the way. Any other questions? And you can take a look at the complete solution online. Um, it's only one solution. And I do something very funny inside the constructors as well. But if you have questions on that, let me know. I think I'll talk about it later, though. Yes? Uh, would you use like the default constructor, mm -hmm. like with this? Right. Um, N and D aren't defined, so you're just going to get like a garbage value for some. Um, so I don't have the definition of the default constructor up here. Um, so if you want to take a look at the default constructor, I think that's the one we did on Thursday. So the one I had on the board, I mean, really you can set these guys to anything as long as the denominator is not um, zero. 
So we're still in fraction.cc. So for the default constructor, I think we just said num to be zero and um, then to be one. So for example, if you said sum.print here. This would print what? Zero one, right? Good. Say answer your question? Yeah. Yes. Your real name wasn't um, variable. Can you call it this dot dead like print? Um yeah, I did go over that a little bit on Thursday last week. Um yeah. Right, yeah, you could do something like that. So, for example, you could say, so yeah, so this is actually a keyword in C++. It refers, it's a reference to the implicit parameter. So you can explicitly talk about the implicit parameter using the this keyword. However, you can't do this. No pun intended. You can't use the selection operator directly. And it's a very good reason for that. We'll get into that when we talk about pointers. If you do want to talk about the implicit parameter explicitly and use by using this, you have to use the error operator. Just a hyphen and a greater than sign. So that's sort of like the special um, selection operator for for the this the this uh, implicit parameter. Think of it that way for now, but there's actually a more general purpose for that. Yes. Yep, yep, you can do that. You can say this arrow then. And that may make things clear. In fact, I really think it makes things clear, right? I don't like talking about these things implicitly, personally. So in my own programming, I use this all over the place. And really, it's because when I use an IDE and you type in this, um, a whole bunch of like you know operations come out or, or functions come out on the screen. But yeah, this is my personal preference. I mean, you can always talk about the implicit parameter explicitly whenever you like. There are situations where you have to use the this, the this keyword. So there are situations where you need to refer to the implicit parameter explicitly. Anyone know what, what situation that would be? Exactly. When you're passing the implicit object to another function as an explicit parameter, right, as, as a normal parameter. You have to talk about it, right, explicitly, because you really need to say, I explicitly pass this fraction or whatever this object you're working with, whatever class you're working with, um, to this function. Yes? Uh, when you do this and then you have the right-hand side when you select uh, den, do you have to do that? Oh, in this, in this here context? No. Yeah, like, but the second part, the right-hand side. Oh, whoops. That's a mistake, sorry. <laughs> Thanks for that. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Thanks for pointing out that. When you run this big board, you sometimes like don't see like everything from like a bird's eye view. You totally write some nonsense sometimes. So then miss anything else? Well here's an interesting one I, I can think of. How about this how about this function?
This is a really interesting example of it. So here I have a member function called double. And what this function is going to do, it's going to add, it's going to return the, the sum of itself plus itself. So I guess one thing you can do is say times two, right? Um, so for example, in my, in my driver program here, I could say um, fract. So I'll make this a new fraction. I'll say fraction g is a sign fract dot double. In double, not as in the double uh, value, but the double type, rather. But just double yourself. So if fract was, let's say, one half, then you know, g dot print would be, um, well, it should equal one, right? So it'd be one half plus one half. And the way you go about that is, well, one way you can do it is say that fract fraction sum. So that will be the one to return because a sum is a sign double. That's probably a bad uh, choice of functions uh, there. But. All right, it's not really a great example. Told you guys a little sick today. So. All right, so if you wanted to double the fraction, right? So one thing you could do is call at, right? But what would you give it as a parameter? This. Yeah, this. Well, except that this is a reference to the implicit parameter. All right, maybe it's not such a great example because we had learned about this stuff. But actually, this. Let's start this. We'll get into what that means. So we'll get into what this arrow means and what the star means or the asterisk. But the point is, you need, and this is a case where you need to refer to the um, implicit parameter explicitly. So add this is just adding uh, itself to itself. It's referring to what is it? What is this actually referring to? So like, what is it? The implicit parameter, which is a fraction. Right, so add takes a fraction, right, as an explicit parameter. It's a member function. So really, this can look like this. No pun intended. This arrow add this. Oh, the way you read that is the contents of this. So this is a reference, and you say that the contents of this is the actual value. But we'll get to that when we get the pointers. So yeah, talk about confusing, huh? If you were doubling, like. So we, have, we also have the fraction RHS right inside. You just add RHS. There's other ways you can go about this. No pun intended. Did I just totally lose everyone now? Everyone's gone? All right, if you don't understand that, don't, don't worry about it. Um, let's get into operator overloading before we leave today. 
All right. Um, so you have a new homework on online, so we have to learn about this. No final again. We're to operate over today. We can talk about fractions, you know, forever. So we'll cut that short. All right. So it turns out that we can make operators like the operator plus for our own classes, right, like fraction. We can make uh, even an insertion operator, right, that, that sort of mimics the way we use insertion operators with CF, right, to, um, to send data into the, into the monitor. And we can also do this with fractions as well, or any class, really. <coughs> okay, so this is called operator overloading. Operator Overloading. A way to use operators, for example, plus, minus, um, subscript. with classes. For every operator in C++, there is a corresponding oper uh, function name. And I'll put that in quotes. It's not really a function. Um, they're operators, but you can sort of like refer to these as functions. And what that means is that there is an operator plus function name that you can write. There is an operator minus. There's an operator asterisk for multiplication or other things. There's an even operator subscript. So if you have like a class student, you actually can overload the subscript operator on it, which usually works with arrays. Um, so that being said, it doesn't really make any sense to overload operators for some classes, right? So it wouldn't really be clear how to use a subscript operator for, for a student. It makes sense for arrays. But. So anyway, you should use this sparingly if you're going to use it at all. Uh, so be very, very careful of which operators you overload for which classes. Okay, so how about, let's overload the uh, insertion operator. To work with fractions. So the name of the assertion operator is as follows. Operator less than, less than. It's all one word. So that's the name of the assertion operator. So what that will enable us to write is as follows.
So we can have something like fraction f, uh, make it a half, and we can say instead of f.print, which is what we've been doing so far, and then we'll have any of c out and l, we can do the following. So so those two statements will be the same as the last statement. So here, f is a fraction. An object of type fraction. Sound cool? Nice easy way to print fractions, right? Just insert them into C out. I think it's pretty convenient, right? Yes. So we don't have to do anything different, like you talked about writing operator in front of it. Oh yeah, we're gonna do that now. Oh. Yeah, this is just what we'd like to have. So this oh. is the ideal situation. And oh by the way, um, what did I mention about C out last class? Does anyone remember? C out and C in. What what are they? Are they keywords? They're objects. Yeah. And in fact, these are function calls. So really, operators are actually function calls. So you're calling the insertion operator uh, with C out and F as parameters. So it's just written a little differently. It turns out actually that the insertion operator is, is like a function call, but it's a non-member function. So in C++, um, the way insertion, and even with extraction operators, they're used as non-member functions. And they're written in infix notation, which means that the left operand, well, one, the first operand's on the left-hand side of the operator, and the, um, the second operand's on the right-hand side, much like the plus symbol is, right, the plus addition operation. So that's called infix notation. But the way you actually declare the function is actually in uh, postfix notation, which is the function name, or in this case, the operator name, followed by the uh, two parameters, or the two um, operands. Okay, so I said that the, the operator insertion will not be a member function of class fraction. However, it would be advantageous to have the insertion operator still access the member data of the class, right? In particular, it would be advantageous to have the insertion operation have access to the numerator and denominator of the fraction, right? So that way you can send it out. <coughs> yeah. So for this purpose, there's something called a friend function. Friends functions and C++. A friend function <coughs> is a, a function that is one, a non-member function, so it's an, a regular fun normal function, and two, has access to private member data. 
and function. So it's like a number function in the sense that it has access to the private sections of the class. It's unlike a member function in that you don't call it like a member function, right? You call it like a normal function. So we're not, we're not using the selection operator there. Um, so these are called friend functions. And so you sort of like achieve like this best of both worlds. Having your cake you eat it too. Okay, so let's go about defining such an operator. Oh, by the way, uh, friend functions are designated as such. Designated in the class declaration. So the way you specify that a function is a friend function, and you have to have the um, insertion operator and extraction operator as friend functions, and you have to specify it in this manner for this to work correctly. It doesn't need it in class declaration. So, for example, in fraction.h, right, we have our class fraction. I promise I'll get to the other classes besides fraction at some point here. So it has the private member data, right? It has a public section. So, you know, private, public, and then at the end, friend is actually a keyword. And you follow it by the function name. Well, actually, the function mm, declaration. Right <laughs> yeah. All right, it's going to look as follows. So it's a friend. Um, all right, let's go. So it's going to start with friend. Well, I'll get to that in a second. All right, so let's go about doing the uh, writing definition for the operator insertion. Okay. So it's going to look like this. So the function name is going to be operator insertion. That's the function name. It's going to have two parameters. One parameter is going to be the fraction to insert into the stream. So let's say fraction f. And note that it's not a member function, right? Because in the definition, so this would be in fraction.cc. Um, it's not a member function because there's no class prefix, right? Um, okay, so the other parameter, this is going to look a little funny, is going to be the type that cout is a object of. And if you recall from last week, cout happens to be an object of some class called OStream. stands for output stream. And we're not going to want to copy the stream, right? We only have one instance of the monitor. So we'll make that a reference. And we'll call it the parameter name OS. So cout 
is a object of OStream. In fact, there are, you can make other objects of output streams, like corresponding to web pages, corresponding to SMS feeds, or whatever, um, or files. We can we'll see that hopefully later. So you have two operands, an OS and OStream, and a fraction f. And I mean, really, this could be a void function, uh, but it's not. So it actually returns an OStream reference. That's the way you write. It. So what it in fact does, it returns the um, object reference here. So it returns, for example, in this call here, it returns the app. So that way you can do this chain thing. And that will be a copy and paste job there. And you'll see this in homework specification. Okay, let me quickly get along because now we're running out of time here. All right, so how do we go about defining this thing? Well, if we change fraction print, so this is what we have right now, fraction print, right, with no parameters, to Correction print that takes a parameter, namely an O string reference. Suppose we did that. We can do something like this. F dot print OS. And that's the OS from here. And finally, return OS. Right, because OS is a type OStream reference. We return an OStream reference. And now print will print not to C out, but to OS, whatever that is. So, really quickly, maybe I'll make this do Thursday instead. I'll see. Um, or maybe not. We'll see. Uh, so if we change print, let's just do this really quickly. So what would that look like? So print would look something like this. So right now it's um, so the void fraction. Right. And now what we're going to do is just add a parameter to it. And it's going to be an OStream reference. Let's call it OS. So right now it says something like this. C out, new, insert, slash, insert, back. Any um, ideas on how to change it? It's one really simple change. So instead of C out, it's going to be OS. That's it. Any questions? I know it's a little fast. So maybe I'll talk about I'll talk about this more on Tuesday, and I'll make that homework due on Thursday. So we'll talk about this a little more. Uh, okay, so class is over. Thanks for staying over a little bit. And if you have questions, come see me after class.